The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brand you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. All right, we're back. Yesterday, Dave and I talked about Sexy Hair's Marilyn moment. And today we're going to talk about Long John Silver and how they found some sustainability messaging that was a little unprecedented and not that obvious. But I want to see how it worked, how they came up with it. So uh, thanks, uh, David, for coming on again. And we're going to get back at it. All right, tell me about this Long John Silver campaign. We've seen some of their maybe more traditional advertising in the past, like, you know, I think it like the 30-second jingle-oriented kind of TV ad. But tell us about the challenge, who brought you in, and how this campaign of sustainability came up, David. Yeah, it was was, uh, actually at dinner. A good friend of mine, uh, he was a client, a longtime client, was the chief marketing officer, and he left a a very well-established brand and became the CEO of Long John Silver. And so, you know, I, I reached out to him and said, so I reached out to him. I'm like, help me understand that. I mean, I get, I get the CEO, but I, you know, the brand you left was on a kind of meteoric rise upward and the, and the brand you're going to had just closed down several hundred stores. So I was like, tell me the decision there. And he said, you know, we got together and we had dinner and he said, you know, I, I'm so excited about this brand. I'm so excited because in all of QSR, that's what people in fast food refer to, refer to their industry, right? In all of QSR, he's like, Long John Silver's is the most sustainable, right? Our proteins are the most sustainable. We don't overfish. We don't get our from uh, big fish farms, right? And, and even more than that, when we're out in Alaska, we have these fishing vessels where we catch the fish, we clean the fish, and we flash freeze them, box them up, while it's still on the fishing vessel and send them out. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's actually pretty impressive. I've never, I've never heard of anything like that. So that evening, yeah, as we were talking in his past life, his name is James. James and I had done work together with a spoken word artist out of California by the name of Steve Connell. And I was like, wouldn't it be amazing if we did a piece or up in Alaska, you can't tell it's Alaska. You just, you just see Steve on a boat somewhere, but you can't see anything around. And he does a piece and he talks about the sustainability and what that actually means. And at the very end of this thing, we pull back with a big drone shot and reveal that he's out there in the Bering Sea with Alaska in the background and then reveal, boom, launch on silver. And he's like, I love it. Let's do it. Right. So, you know, within four weeks, we had contracted Steve. He had written the piece and we were all on a plane up to to Washington and then cut another uh, company jet to Alaska to uh, do this piece. And so it was amazing. But Mother Nature was with us, Scott. I'm going to tell you. So the weather in February in Alaska, 
not balmy, <laughs> not super warm. So we got up there and the day that we were scheduled to shoot was the only day in a 35-day window where it wasn't pouring rain. And we had blue skies the entire day and shot this piece and it was beautiful. And then next day, rain again. So we were doing some good for the environment, I think. I hate you because I've had sometimes the opposite experience of production days outdoors. So I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad it worked out well for you. But this is pretty interesting, again, because I don't think of Long John Silver in that regard, just as a, a consumer in the past. And, you know, I've done a lot of QSR work. You know, I helped the growth of Raising Canes for a while. And our big insight in the QSR industry was always fresh. And in a QSR category, a lot of times some can claim healthiness in fried chicken. We could not, but we could claim fresh. And that that was really their big thing is fresh, never frozen. But in this standpoint, it seems like the the message for sustainability also is one of getting a good product, getting a fresh product. There's a major consumer benefit, not just saving the environment. At times, I battle with sustainability messaging as being a primary driver with other brands I've worked with. Is It feels to me in a lot of ways like a secondary messaging opportunity. And sometimes I've seen research, depending on the category, that it can fall flat as a primary driver. Do you think this, why was this different and how did it work? And what are your thoughts around kind of just the brief and the consumer overall with a, a sustainability message in, in a QSR category? Yeah, it was it's such a great point. And this was actually a three-part campaign, right? So we worked together with Steve Connell and he actually wrote three separate pieces and we shot three different spots. And the first one was sustainability. The second one was quality. And the third one was family. Because those are three things that Long John Silver can hang its hat on, right? It's a sustainable product, a quality product, you know, the protein is quality. And this is a place where you go and you, you have moments with your family. We did not hang our hat on, like you said, healthy, right? Because yes, what do they do to that product? They bread it and they fry it. And so, you know, there's not innately healthy, but the overall campaign really stood up the three pillars that Long John Silver was about, that the quality of the, the food, the protein and products that they're using and the moments that they can have with family. It's interesting. I, I'm Italian. I, I grew up Catholic. It's interesting when you work with a brand that has, you know, charts out their marketing season. And one of those marketing seasons is Lent because a fish place, right? So, I mean, that's, that's a huge season for them. It's like Fridays, they win the business. If you're not going to get the filet of fish, you're going to go to Long John Silver. It's really interesting learning those, those idiosyncrasies of each of your brands. So it sounds like, I think you're correct. It sounds like of course, the family moments, and I'm, I'm a big fan of, of moments in, in any sort of brand architecture. It sounds like the sustainability message really dovetailed into the quality message because you're not getting farm-raised fish. And it's probably in a QSR category, some of the big, the big dogs in the category, it's not probably fresh, right? And it's probably more farm-driven, whether it's the whatever the fish campaign for McDonald's is, which is pretty interesting campaign when it comes up. Tell us, did it work? How long did it run? Like, tell us a little more about the, the campaign, what, what you learned. Yeah, so the, uh, the campaign ran for about three months. They had huge pickups on that. I can send you the stats. I've got them on a slide somewhere. Yeah. But uh, oh. yeah, very, very, very successful campaign for them where they, they pulled it out for television, for social, for, for multiple different uses, and even went away from their actual traditional marketing campaign. Was it a big production? Was this a lot different than like a limited time offer? It wasn't like an LTO or anything like that. 
No, because this this wasn't about a specific product, right? They would take this piece and they would they would tag a bumper to the end with it with an LTO. But this was more of a a brand play for them, reestablishing them, you know, and resetting what people thought about them, you know. As I mentioned earlier, when we were kind of chatting offline, it's like a lot, a lot of times when I do speaking engagements, I'll, I'll show this piece, but I'll pull off the last tag at the end, right? And then I would ask, you know, the audience, who do you think this piece was for, right? And it's usually like Exxon yeah. cleaning up after an oil spill or something like that. I'm like, no, and they'll play the end and, you know, do the reveal. It's like, oh, Long John Silver, didn't see that coming. All right, we've beat up the Long John Silver campaign. Let, I've got you on. I think you're going to take, I think you're going to give really solid takes and opinions the I saw an ad week email, I want to say like a week ago. And basically two things in our industry, I think are really interesting. One basically, I mean, this was from ad week and it basically talked about why is the work so bad right now? Like there's a lot of, and again, this wasn't me talking. I can get on my soapbox, you know, we could be having drinks. And I think the work in our industry is not good in a lot of levels. I think partly because just how many executions need to be filled and where the budgets are and the manpower of people that need to create the work for eight different social channels now. And so I think the work's getting diluted. The Super Bowl, whatever, a month ago, there was some good work for sure. But I just thought it was interesting that Adweek was like shitting on the work. Why do you think the perception of our industry is the work isn't very good right now? Or is it? Maybe it is. Yeah. I don't know. You're asking a 58-year-old white guy. Work. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's biased too. Maybe I'm, right. I don't know. Maybe my yeah. work sucks. I don't know. I, I, well, I, I just think there's the market is flooded, right? The market's flooded with everybody can do everything. You got you know, a, a lot of young people come into the market with a, you know, with a camera and a laptop and right. And, and, you know, and some of them are incredible and some of them aren't. And, but for me, authenticity reigns, right? Are you being authentic to the brand and are you selling something that's obvious that you're selling or are you telling a story that endears people to your brand and, and creates goodwill? And I think that those pieces sometimes get missed for something that's perceived just to be cool, right? And again, I'm a 58 year old dude looking back on, on a lot of years. And so I see, see the cycles, but I think what you had said about budgets are crazy low now. It's just, but everybody expects greatness, but then there's people out there that'll do the work for, for cheap. And some of us that don't. Build trust by saying no, Scott. Saying no. I know you're right. I, you know, I, I like what you said first episode, but I mean, look, you work with high powered CMOs. I, I work with a lot of Fortune 1000, Fortune 500 brands. Uh, the process to get work approved is tough. The budgets are smaller. And yet, you know, entertainers and influencers have, I think, the ability to connect more authentically. I mean, if you look at like people like Mr. Beast, if you look at other influencers who have found ways to get authentic content to market and gain relevancy pretty quickly and gain views and gain attention, where brand marketers who, again, have channels and approval processes and budgets and all this stuff that they have to do and you know, running an agency, whether it's in-house or out-of-house, is super tough. Keeping talent is really hard. You got AI coming in. I mean, there's just a lot of things moving. And I, I think just because the different channels that exist today and the amount of content that needs to be produced and how many people are in the game. It's not just brand marketers anymore. It's not just brands. It's it's influencers and entertainment companies all creating content too on these channels. So I do think it's tough. I'm excited. I told my team today, we have like our monthly meeting and we have all our team in. And I actually am excited because I think we're, everything recycles. And I think we're back to 30 second TV spots 
meaning something again. And that really excites me. HBO and Hulu and Disney Plus and Netflix having ads within their platforms and back to our old trade-off of trading content for ads or even some hybrid of of a lower monthly subscription fee for ads. I think connected TV is bringing back the 30 second commercial again, which is exciting. I mean, you're definitely a content guy and a creative guy. Do you see that coming back? Do you think we're going to see budgets again and creativity back again for 30-second spots that don't seem like ads anymore? They're just like great entertainment value that get across a human truth? Or do you think there'll be just as much bad work out there? I think there's always going to be bad out there. But I do think, you know, that's some wonderful stuff. And I love what Duncan did at Super Bowl, right? Because that's to me, that's authentic. It wasn't. It was a good, solid commercial. Because before Duncan ever approached Ben Affleck to do a piece for them, Ben Affleck was a brand evangelist for years for them. Mm-hmm. Always, mm-hmm. always Duncan in his hand, always, always. So that was it. Was authentic to do that and kind of okay. That makes sense. And that's I love that connection, right? Because now, now you believe They're a Boston brand, a Boston guy. He grew up on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, that's a great point. We found an influencer, an A guy that loves the product we're launching for a, a big Japanese company, video game company. And when you find someone that actually loves what they're talking about, you're right. That's connecting that authenticity. It's it's why I think Ryan Reynolds is so successful right now. The product he's behind, he's behind for a reason because he actually believes in it. He believes in it. He's got his own money into it. So when he puts a commercial on it, obviously he's in. Same thing with George Clooney and Casamigos, whoever, name that brand. So maybe that's the thing is really finding that person that has massive credibility and fan base that truly loves the product. 100%, right? Or has a association to the product in the past, right? We've done some work with Sonic and it's like, oh, Carrie Underwood, you know, she, one of her very first songs, you know, mentions Sonic and how growing up, right? So it's like, let's put those dots together because that that makes sense because that's authentic to her. She wasn't paid to write that into her song. That's a, that was a truth for her. So you, you, you bring her in, you know? Did music really have an effect on you getting in this business and it, did it give you an advantage? Yeah, I think um, my life is a soundtrack, much to the chagrin of people who love me. Because right? <laughs> many of my conversations are like, are you talking right now or are you quoting song lyrics? <laughs> I think, you know, it's like, I can't tell if you're being authentic. I'm like, no, this moment, this song, it comes together. But yeah, music music and theater. It's like, yeah, we started as a, a mobile DJ company, but I, I was a theater guy coming up. And so... Taking like that love of music and the the feeling that you get with music, right? So to me, that it becomes a soundtrack of your life, and then you remember the moments, you remember the products, you remember the food, you remember the the things that you were doing that associate with that music, and I think they're they're forever tied together. Yeah, if you can capture a feeling, and when songs capture the feeling, they they capture attention. When you can do that with brand marketing, same thing. So I can see why. Simo's trusting you've been successful. I, I love that. So we actually, we have a whole team here that is just, just about putting brands together with bands, right? Doing deals with music acts and large iconic brands and where can they come together, whether that's live performances or stand-ups or appearances or you know, spots. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it takes talent. I mean, I, we've, I've had success where we've put the right music with the right campaign together and have other times where we, we haven't, <laughs> unfortunately. But man, when it comes together, it, it's yeah. something special, as you know, as you've seen come to life. 
Well, we could talk forever, but we're going to end this uh, second episode with David with the rebrand. Thank you so much. Big thanks to David Frechette, founder and CEO, Chief Creative Officer at Go West Creative for joining us. Until next time, just remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand. <laughs>